Chiefs, Raiders, Christmas. Let's talk about it. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. Welcome into a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. This is also my only chance to wish you all a Merry Christmas. I am so excited to be talking to genuinely two of my best friends in the entire world, two friends that I am incredibly grateful for, that I love dearly, and I love doing this show with. Matthew Lane, Craig Stout. Maddie, hi, hello. I am genuinely grateful for you as we close out this year. Love you, buddy. I I love you too, Kent. I, I see, I don't know how to handle all the this emotion coming at me. Um, <laughs> so like I'm just gonna kind of gloss over all this right now. Um I appreciate very you. Maddie of you. And I I am grateful to be here doing this show with my two pals. I do thoroughly enjoy this. I enjoy all of you listening, coming to hang out, wanting to hear us talk about the Chiefs. It's a lot of fun. Um, and if we want more, you know, emotions, I'll let Kent and Craig take over that. So, Craig, how you doing, pal? <laughs> Wait, hey, that's that's a terrible setup. Now I got to be heartfelt about all this. I was getting ready to say it felt like Kent was buttering us up because he was about to ask us for money or something. Like, yeah, I don't I know what's was happening. I think Next he was week. trying to make me. I think he was trying to make me feel uncomfortable, but like it's just like hitting into succeeded. a brick wall. I think he succeeded no. in that. Hey, I Kent, absolutely I love did. you dearly. I absolutely love you dearly, Maddie. I also love you as well. You. This I time of year makes I... everybody, you know, kind of remember all of those family members and those close to you. And there are very few people in this world that are as close to me as these two individuals over the past five years. So I love you, fellas. Can't wait to watch the Chiefs on Christmas Day give us all a present of an eight straight AFC West victory. Yeah. Well, it's the- <laughs> so Maddie. <laughs> it's like our last show. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. No, it's a hat and t shirt game. The Chiefs can win the AFC West again uh, by beating the Las Vegas Raiders, who they are double-digit favorites over heading into this game. I know we've just kind of previewed them a couple weeks prior, and we'll make sure to kind of do that in some capacity. This is obviously, you know, if you guys have been listening to our show historically, anytime we get to game number two, we take things a little bit different, and we go a few different routes with it. So I know, Maddie, you had a couple you had a couple thoughts, questions, concerns before we really get into previewing Chiefs Raiders at all, so... It is. It is your. It is your floor, my friend. Back to back to my comfort zone here. Um. So yeah, going through this week, just listening to the press conferences over the past couple stuff, and uh, you know, I just got a question for you guys. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have been very complimentary of Wanya Morris, but the way everyone's kind of spoke, nobody has gone so far as to say he's the starter. Nobody's even said a whole lot that makes me feel warm and fuzzy about him, him being the starter. In fact, it seems like it's very open to when Donovan Smith comes back and is healthy enough to be on the field that he might get a chance to come back in and and regain his starting role. So when Donovan Smith is healthy, which as of right now, he still has not practiced, but when he's healthy. I believe he was limited today, actually. He was limited. He did get up. He's finally a limited participant. So 
when he is fully healthy, who do you guys expect to be at left tackle? I mean, I could rewind three weeks ago when I said, hey, if Donovan Smith is healthy and Wanya Morris is healthy and all things are equal, guess who's starting, everybody? It's Donovan Smith. Andy Reid takes care of these veterans, these guys that are departing, that have a chance to go get more money to really kind of ensure their contract status. I think that if there's a team that's looking at Donovan Smith as a guy, it's like, eh, you know, maybe we bring him in. Maybe he's a stopgap for us, kind of like the Chiefs just did with Donovan Smith this year. There might be a team out there that's looking at him, missing a couple of games due to injury, you know, where you're just like, yo, no, he was out. He couldn't play, and we got him healthy. We got him right. That doesn't look bad for Donovan Smith. You know what does look bad? Being fully healthy and them still going with the rookie. Now, I understand long-term why the Chiefs would do that. I'm not trying to argue other than that, but Andy Reid also knows that that tanks his contract value. So again, if all things are equal, they view Wanya Morris and Donovan Smith as the same player on the field. That's Andy Heck and Andy Reid agree to that. Guess what? It's Donovan Smith out there. And maybe that's why we're seeing some of the non-committal nature of the Chiefs coaching staff right now, why they're not just like, yep, Wanye's coming out there. He's going to be our guy. He's going to be our guy moving forward because they know that if Andy Reid has his ways and all things, again, are equal, Donovan Smith is probably the guy that's taken the first team snaps at left tackle. I think there's a lot of potential layers to this, honestly. I think you could look at, you know, the, the, like when you asked me this a couple weeks ago, Maddie, I said, it depends on what Patrick Mahomes wants. So there's probably a level of comfort if they want Patrick. If Patrick Mahomes wants the veteran there for the the home stretch, I would understand that. Um, I don't know. I I go back and forth with some of this too, right? I think there might be a leash finally with Donovan Smith, though. You know, I don't think there was a leash with Donovan Smith before we got a glimpse of of Wandy Morris at left tackle. I think what it could ultimately be is you know, they're going to go to the veteran. They're going to let the veteran, you know, come back after a couple weeks and, and you know, la- you know, been off. And if he plays well, great. And if he struggles, maybe they do make the change to Wanye, but they're going to give, you know, they're going to give the veteran the chance to hold on to that job. And then you talk about, like you said, like the, the layers with Andy and the veteran, you know, status of, of a Donovan Smith trying to get a contract, throwing all those factors in too. I really do think it's probably going to be Donovan Smith whenever he is good and ready for it. Um, just that's just my vibe. That's my feel. I'm with I'm with you. That's not the warmest warm fuzzies right now. So and I get it to some degree because it's a it's a, a throwing a young rookie in here. I get it. I don't get it because I think Wadi <laughs> Morse has been substantially better. Like I don't agree that way. If if it was equal, then yeah, sure, that's fine. You can go with the veteran because he's the veteran and you're trying to do right by him and he's the guy that you have spent more time with. But it's just, it hasn't been equal. And one, Juan uh, Morris has been one of, if not the best Chiefs kind of like run blocker since he's kind of taken over. Maybe not best, like Joe Tooney's still really good. Don't get me wrong. But like when they run behind Juan Morris, it's noticeable. The movement he creates is noticeable. When they call screens out to the left-hand side, you actually have a left tackle that's a factor in the screenplay, which matters. Like in the run game, in the screen game, I don't think it's even close. It's not even comparable. The the difference between these two. Donovan Smith can't move at this point in his career. He can't do some of the stuff that Wanya Morris does. And we've talked about it. We've seen it. Smith's tackled Pacheco in the backfield because he can't get out of the way. Now, part of that's Pacheco running into him too. That's you know another part of it. 
but Donovan Smith can't get out of the way. Wanya Morris takes his guy for a ride when they try to run behind him. So it's just the run game and the screen game is not even comparable. And then you go look into pass protection and like Wanya Morris has been not very not clean. He hasn't been superb in pass protection. But guess what? Over his three games, roughly as a starter, he gave up less pressures than Donovan Smith did in his last two before losing his starting job. Then Donovan Smith has, you know, in almost any three-game stretch of this season, he has given up more pressures than Wanya Morris has since he's been starting. And like we can sit here and talk about the help they give Morris. Yeah, they do give him plenty, but they did the same with Donovan Smith. It's not like Donovan Smith was going out there and locking guys up one-on-one. So I just, I, I see on field a really, really hard path or argument for Donovan Smith being as good or better than Wanya Morris. So it should be Wanya Morris. And that's why I'm really intrigued by nobody really digging their feet in saying that Wanya Morris not, not hasn't been good, but like just the way everyone talks, it's always been like he, when he's had to step up, he has. That's been the vibe is we needed to rely on him and he did well, but nobody's like ever given that extra assurance that, oh no, he's taken this job under kind of his control now. Yeah. And I think that, I think this week will be, if Donovan Smith practices all week and is active, is going to give us the indicator of what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Was this just something that they went, hey, listen, we want to get Big Don healthy. We know what he is when he's healthy. And a couple nagging injuries have kind of stacked up. And as the season's gone along, he's gotten worse and worse and worse. So we want to give him two games. And we'll evaluate Wanya Morris in this and see if he's the left tackle of the future. You know, he didn't play a flawless game last week. But, I, you know, he also wasn't so bad that he's like, oh, okay, he's, he's crippling the team. And so... It's the sort of things that you live with, you know, it's a third round rookie left tackle. Like you're going to live with some of those lumps because if you catch the value there, man, you know, you 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 really hit a home run with that. But is this something where they just said, "Hey, we're going to give the big man a couple of weeks off, get healthy because we want you healthy for the home stretch here?" Or is he going to come back, be active, and then all of a sudden we're going to see even a rotation would I think kind of show some of the death now for for Donovan Smith would kind of show hey listen they're they're transitioning they're gonna go ahead and go and do this thing so I I have my eye on that Maddie I really think that this week is probably the one that we get that definitive answer because we're not going to get it in the pressers it's just not going to happen have we considered moving a player with a hundred percent catch rate in Donovan Smith to receive. Did you see the amount of separation he had on the catch too? I mean, I aren't just some natural, just a knack for catching a ball in space. Yards, yards after catch needs a little work though. Yeah. You know, you would like, you would like to see him have a little bit more awareness, you know, after the catch. Right. But just, I mean, just an uncanny ability to get open. I don't know. Matt, do you have any more questions? Cause you, you said you had a couple of things. Zachary. I, I do I, real quick too, and then cap off the the, the Donovan Smith one here. Um, I don't. You can't go back to Donovan Smith and then go back to Wanya Morris. You can't do an, if Donovan Smith right. is inserted back in, he's the starter for the rest of the way for the playoffs. Right. Yes. If you let Wanya Morris keep the role, you can go back to Donovan Smith later. I think. Like I think that you can keep Wanya Smith in that role if he struggles. You know, 
two weeks from now, if he struggles in the first round of the playoffs or whatever it may be, you can make the change back to Donovan Smith. But the moment Donovan Smith goes back in for a non-injury related purpose, it's probably done. So like, I wouldn't try to hold off on it if it's relatively close to equal just for that reason. We'll see what they do. I just, we were talking a little bit earlier about when to cycle him back in. I think you got to be careful about when you put Don back in there because like that kind of ruins Wanya Morris. All right, this next one, purely just a question. Again, kind of like this one is here. Who has more receptions for the Chiefs through the end of the regular season here? Okay. Kadarius Tony, Richie James, or Justin Ross? Richie James. I, 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 that's, a, that's a hell of a question. Uh, I, I'm going to say Richie James because I, I do think that Andy's comments after the game last week were, were pretty telling. You know, we, we've seen Richie get a little bit more integrated into the offense, and I realize he only played two snaps last week. But that getting brought up immediately and Andy saying, no, that's, uh, that's on me. I got to do a better job of getting him in there. I fully believe that one. That one doesn't just scream, you know, Andy coach speak there. I think this is one of those that they they got to figure something out here. Kadarius Tony, if he's going to factor in, probably is going to factor in coming out of the backfield or catching bubble screens or something like that. I don't think they can rely on him as a receiver anymore. And if they are taking those snaps off his plate, Richie James is probably the one that's going to step up and get the lion's share of them out of the slot with Rasheed Rice on the outside. Now, Justin Ross could contend with that, but Justin Ross also has barely played football this season and is coming off of a lengthy suspension or commissioner's exempt list stint. So something where I I just don't think that the way that they've tried things within this offense, the way that they've exercised different elements of this offense in Justin Ross's absence, it's not the same thing as it was when he first was playing on this team in week one. So I think Richie James is going to get some bulk targets over the next couple of weeks. They're going to try that on for size and see if he's the guy that they want in the slot going forward. So I think there's actually going to be a concentrated effort to get him the ball, and that's just going to tip the scales in his favor. Kadarius Tony didn't practice today yeah, either. Um, So there could be a little wrench thrown into the mix there. Um. If Kadarius Tony plays all three games, I'm still gonna predict him, even though I'm not overly excited about it. Um, I think Richie James could eat into it, and I'm not sure Justin Ross is gonna be. I don't know what kind of factor Justin Ross will be. Maybe he gets a, a package, you know, in there. But I just have a hard time seeing them really get him revved up, especially from a volume perspective. I still think they're gonna go to to Kadarius a little bit. Uh, if he plays all three, I think he still probably is the guy. But I'm definitely keeping an eye on Richie James, and I want to see them get involved. One other quick comment that could be very interesting. I would, I am kind of fascinated to see what this offense could look like if they don't have Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore involved. But like, it's kind of a, and I'm not going to call it a burn the ships kind of approach, but it's almost like. Let's not make them an option this week and just see what happens. Just out of curiosity and how that would look and who would get involved and what would the byproduct be of it. Because we're not going to see Sky Moore this week. We already know that. Mm-hmm. But I am kind of fascinated if they just sit Kadarius this week. You know, he's got a hip injury. Maybe they just sit him this week and just kind of see what happens. I don't know. Uh, it is the Raiders and it's their heavy favorites. 
I don't know. It might it might be interesting to get a glimpse of what this offense might look like without those guys. Well, so see, here's the thing. You just inadvertently led us to a rabbit hole that we're about to go down. So this is fun. Um, Let's do it. Is it okay. Chiefs Raiders related? No, it is not. Oh, oh, so here's the thing. The Chiefs are sitting here with this wide receiver group that we all kind of agree at this point in time, and you can't really argue it isn't great, right? They all have their different issues. Um, Rasheed Rice is the only one that's kind of coming on. But even Rasheed Rice, a lot of what he does is a plays designed for him. It's the first read. Whether it's a back shoulder fade, whether it's a slant, a screen, a crossing route, everything, most things that he get are designed to go to him. Now, he did a great job versus the Patriots, finding a couple zones to settle in and getting some broken play passes his way. But for the most part, most of what he gets is designed for him. Every single target Kadarius Tony gets is designed for him. There, he, there is no Kadarius Tony getting passes within like the progression of a play. It's all designed 100% for him. Sky Moore was essentially the same. Like we spent all this time talking, like why doesn't he get targets? And people are finding plays where he gets open on the backside. Like all of his targets were coming on plays designed for him. Like we're digging pretty deep down onto this depth chart now to where the guys getting targets need the play to be designed for them to have any impact, particular like on the particular play. What does that look like when you start taking some of those guys out? I get it. Tony, Sky Moore, these guys might be some of the most talented or the guys with the highest ceiling for the wide receiver room. But when you have to have them be the first read on a play for them to be functional, what happens when a guy that isn't as talented, say Richie James, comes in to, and take their place? Can you now run a more traditional offense? Can the, the offense doesn't have to funnel through the first read. The, you don't have to funnel the ball through a player whose average depth of target is 2.5 yards because he has to get the ball right now. Like, it's just, I'm curious to see what it looks like, if, especially if Tony can't play and Sky Moore can't play, if you have to run out Rice, Watson, MVS, Richie James, even Justin Rossum, do these guys start getting targets within the realm of play? Can you run a full play where there's a progression of one, two, three, four before it's over without having to always call a screenplay every third play to get one of these guys involved? I would argue that that's the entire reason that Justin Watson is on the field because it Probably. allows them to run a little bit more of a semblance of an offense with progressions and things like that. And as much as we maybe have disliked the results this year, MBS, I think, does offer them that ability as well. So it was arguably why Sky Moore was playing because he could do some of those receivery things and you know they, he could be a part of the progression but when he wasn't open on time that mattered can Richie James be open on time and it was my entire argument behind Zach Ertz joining this team get to the right depth get on your break at the right time be in sync with the quarterback Richie James might be that guy and I know that you know Mahomes' trainer, Bobby Stroop, really likes Richie James. Has liked him all all season here. We haven't seen kind of the fruits of that labor yet due to injuries to James. But I think that between him and even a guy like McCall Hardman, who is opening his practice window, mm -hmm. might be guys that can just play within the normal flow of the offense. Now, I'm not saying that all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what they needed. Now they're scoring 35 points. You know, it just may be they have more ways to win. Because we've seen Andy kind of making a lot out of a little right now with the screen game, with the way that he's, you know, kind of designing and manufacturing touches to some of these receivers, and it's working. And that's good. I'm glad for that. At some point, maybe even in a couple of weeks here against the Bengals, or even seeing the Raiders this week for the second time, we might see a shift 
where the defense is able to tee off on some of that stuff. So being able to get back to some of the more normal stuff may be all this offense needs to kind of figure out some of the puzzles that the defense is going to put in front of it. I have some thoughts, but we're going to take a break real quick. We'll be back right after this. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. If you guys didn't know already, you can find KC Sports Network personalities on KCTV5 every Tuesday on KC Sports Tonight. Weeknights at 6.30, Saturday and Sunday, 10.35 p.m. Make sure you guys are checking that out. You're always going to find at least one of us on uh, on Tuesdays. So, uh, But yeah, watch every night. It's a good show. Hollywood, Hollywood Swanson can be on your television, you guys. Tucker D. Franklin, and the D stands for television. Like uh, these are these are personalities that you could be beaming into your living room. I uh, I wanted to kind of ex- expand a little bit of my thoughts on Kadarius and Sky. I don't think it's entirely fair to say that they're all manufactured players. Like I don't like to speak in absolutes when we're talking about this. I think they try to get them involved within structure on some stuff. Like that under route to Gidarius, I don't think was 100% designed for him. He definitely, there was the clear out underneath, but I don't think it was necessarily 100% for him. Um, But I do think there is something to be said about maybe there is a way this playbook opens a little bit differently because there isn't an attempt to funnel the ball to some of these guys. And like, I think, you know, when we look at some of this stuff, right, and how how we see the pro the process playing out with Andy and him. We all lived in this week to week life. I think you know, as fans, kind of watching and observing this, and 
you know, reacting and knowing that there is a build towards something big in January. Some of the things that we've seen to this point are trying to get confidence in these young guys, trying to get these guys involved, giving these guys a chance to step up and take an opportunity. That's what coaching is. That is what a lot of this is. And some of these guys clearly just have failed, you know, in epic fashion. Um, but I do think I, I don't want to make a broad brush statement and say there is no progression that either Sky or Kadarius is part of, but I do think moving away from them and not trying to give them opportunities might wind up being a successful ailment, at least to the regular season offense, which they may not even need because they're probably going to win the next three games. It's a little unfair to Sky Moore because I do think that he was put yeah. into spots to run routes further down in the progression. It's just that's not where his targets came, I guess, is better the way to put it for sure. Sky Moore. His targets came when he was the first read or a play designed for him, but he was often running routes later to progression. Tony, I feel like, predominantly runs routes, yes. and even that clear yeah, route, he was still fair. the first read. He's still the first read. Like, yeah, it's not manufactured. That's a real route that he's being asked to run, but it's it, he's the first guy on that. You're not putting him at two or three. I think we've seen numerous occasions where his spacing and where to settle and where to break has been awful when he's been asked to do those things. Like, it's just, I wonder if it just looks a little bit cleaner or a little bit not like it's segmented when the offense doesn't have those guys on there because mm -hmm. Rasheed Rice also fits kind of in that mold. But the thing is, he's producing. He's the one guy that you have to give those plays to because he's the one that's producing on him. So I just, I wonder if it looks a little bit more fluid and a little bit more cohesive if you don't have multiple guys that kind of fit that same role was the angle I was going for. I, I guess we should talk about this Raiders game. I Let's don't know do a lot what to say about it because like they've played two games since the Chiefs last played them. I've got something to say for it. This is part Our guy go for KC forever. Dropped a super chat in here saying, let's go Chiefs Kingdom, beat the Raiders, got to start fast on defense and offense, got to win the coin toss. Ah, you right there. Love that one. No turnovers, go Chiefs. Merry, King Merry Christmas, Chiefs Kingdom. Shout out to you, man. Merry I Christmas. Mean, Merry Christmas. I mean, yeah, let, let, let's get into it. What's the, what's the first thing? Because it, Maddie alluded to this, two games since the Raiders have played the Chiefs that they have played. One of those was a 0-3 to three loss to the Minnesota Vikings in which they uh, that, that game was just hot garbage on awesome. both sides of the field. It, it was 0-0, I believe, with a minute 57 left to go. Oh, and, man. Like, it was brutal to watch. The best. Then they flip around. I mean, yeah, kind of the best. Then they flip around. They play a division rival in the Chargers last week, and they jump out to a 49 to nothing lead. I believe it was 42 to nothing. Also in the awesome. first half. The the Chargers just quit. And Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco got fired because of that performance. I you guys, which team shows up? It's obviously I, I it's not going to be as good as it was against the Chargers. I think we can safely say that. But I also think I can safely say it's not going to be bad as it was against the Vikings. I mean, where does on the on the scale here in you guys' opinion. All right, so two thoughts. First thing, the Chargers the Chargers Raiders game was a lot about the Chargers melting down. Like it had a, the Chargers charging before the fourth quarter. I think they had three fumbles in the first quarter of that game. Ooh, so like stick. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Easton Stick has. I look, he has less like pocket awareness than any quarterback I've seen in the entire year, and that's saying something because Tommy DeVito's in the National Football League as well. Um, there's, I hey, hey, no, there's, there's just, there's some guys out there that just do not see what they have no clue what's going on. Um, so like, I. I you've got to you got to take that game with a grain of salt. I dismiss. I don't want to completely dismiss it because they definitely look better. But man, it was so much about the Chargers just quitting on Brandon Staley so quickly. Like it just it was absurd, just absolutely absurd. Like how many failures the Chargers had in that game. So I don't know. I I, I don't know if, how much I'm taking away from that game. I guess I, I do think. They played better than the week prior, though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Not, not a high clear. I really do. <laughs> this like, I don't know what to do with this Raiders team because they came out and laid, you know, an absolute stinker um, versus the Vikings. And I don't even think their defense played particularly that well versus the Vikings. That was a lot of the Vikings playing poor, and then they get shut out and lose that game. And they go in and play the Chargers, and they steamroll a team that like literally wanted to be anywhere else but on a football field. So I don't know what to make of them. And then they just played the Chiefs. Their game before that, they had a bye week, those two games. The Chiefs, they just played three weeks ago, in which, hey, the first quarter, they looked great. And then from that point on, they kind of looked terrible again. So it's just really hard to figure out what to make of the Raiders. And I don't think that they are a good team. I think they have a lot of flaws. I think that they get, you know, they have some good players. They have some, you know, Antonio Pierce has done a great job getting them motivated, getting guys up and ready to play for big challenges. I wonder if that's a little bit harder to keep that momentum after you drop 63 points on a divisional rival and get their head coach fired. Is it hard to keep that momentum riding into a Christmas Day football game? I don't know. We're going to find out. It's just it's really hard to get a feel for what this Raiders team is going to be able to do. I mean, uh, yeah, when I... When I go back and I watch this Chiefs-Raiders game, it definitely seemed like the Chiefs defense came out flat. Like, uh, they were just, hey, we're going to be able to line up. We're going to be able to bully these guys. We're going to be able to hold our own. And it took them kind of getting knocked around for a quarter and a couple of minutes for the Chiefs to be like, guys, we are better than this. From the point, let's see here, I believe it was from 12.50 on, that was... The big, long touchdown that the Chiefs gave up, the rushing one, to Josh Jacobs. From that point on, the Chiefs allowed 136 total yards in almost three quarters. Like, And 109 of those were passing yards. Like, They just could not get anything going on the ground, couldn't get anything going through the air. I think that there is a chance that a, a team like the Minnesota Vikings and Brian Flores, who, hey, guess what? He's blitz happy and likes to mix things up, likes to really put a lot on a quarterback's plate. Watched what Steve Spagnuolo did in the final three quarters against Aiden O'Connell and went, oh, hey, look, that fits really nicely into the box that I've created for my defense this year. And now all of a sudden, the Raiders couldn't move the ball. It also makes logical sense that Brandon Staley, as he has done for his entire career as a head coach, lined up and went, we're going to do our thing because we know that we can win this way and we're going to put this square peg into this round hole and we're going to beat it enough times with a hammer until it finally clicks. And this season, it's not. And Aiden O'Connell tore him up 
even on some short fields, he looked a lot better. I think it's probably closer to what we saw in the final three quarters against the Chiefs. I just do. I think Steve Spagnuolo was able to get dialed in. I think we saw exactly what happens when you get a blitz-heavy approach, when you get to press guys, when you put a lot on the quarterback's plate against the Minnesota Vikings. He does not look good. Steve Spagnuolo is going to come out. He's going to throw the kitchen sink at Aiden O'Connell again because it's the second time he's playing him, and they have a chance to lock up their playoff spot Lock up an eighth straight one. I just think that we're going to see Spags in rare form from the jump here. And I think he's got a good game plan to do it and plenty of examples of how to do it over the course of the last three weeks, three games of the Raiders here. So I just think that we're not going to see this sort of offensive performance that we did last week against the Los Angeles Chargers of this Raiders team. Well, I, yeah, no, for sure. And it, I think Aiden O'Connell can easily get sped up and he is the biggest statue in the national football game. This isn't me dunking on him. He's literally like one of the, like I think statistically one of the worst scramblers in the national football league as well. I don't think he had scrambled up until a couple weeks ago. And even then I'm not sure he has, he can get beat with pressure. Um, he force fed some targets to Devonte Adams early in that game. And then the chiefs really did a good job of slowing Devonte Adams at, at, down after that first, you know, that first, you know, a couple possessions. So if there's no Devonte, if they're if the Chiefs are gonna you know gonna eliminate Devonte, I think that plays really well for them. Uh, and I think speeding up Aiden O'Connell and, and give you know putting some pressure on him is also been a thing. Like I look, the Chiefs have been good stopping the run. You know, outside of that big carry to Josh Jacobs, you know they stopped Devonte Adams and they heated up Aiden O'Connell. I mean, that's that's the formula right there. Yeah, that's the formula they employed for the last three quarters of the game. Uh, before and, we jump off from this any oh, yeah. further, want to shout out Jack Richards for the super chat there. It says Merry Christmas Lab. You guys are the best. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jack, here. And then we got another super chat here. We yep. we are ready to kind of transition to the other side of the ball. Maddie, you have anything more? Chiefs defense versus Raiders offense? No, I mean the Chiefs were a little hesitant to rush uh, the Raiders to send pressure after the Raiders in the first matchup because of how quick the Raiders were getting the ball out and then guys were making plays over good coverage for the Chiefs. And, like, I just wonder if that's going to continue. Will Spags continue to be a little hesitant to send the pressure because you're going to be blitzing without being able to get home? We saw that, you know, we saw that kind of bite them a little bit against the Patriots at times when they were able to hit short passes when there was no extra bodies flooding the shallow zones. But then we've also seen them when they play coverage, the other teams find some times. And just, I'm curious to see how Spags approaches it because I do think blitzing Aiden O'Connell and this Raiders pass protection unit right now is is the proper move. They seem to really struggle when that happened. They were they had no idea what to do against Brian Flores and that, and that Vikings defense. The Chiefs can do very similar stuff with Steve Spagnuolo. It's just, do they want to show all that stuff? Do they not? And is it worth it if the ball is going to come out in under two and a half seconds like it was in that first matchup? So the Chiefs got to come out. I think it was the very first super chat here. Start fast on defense. And they said and offense, but defensively, start fast. Don't let the Raiders get into heavy personnel and just run downhill on you because that's where they really started to get into the play action stuff. They started to mix it up good. So start quick on defense. Don't give up the early points. Slow the run down. And I just want to see what happens on third down if that pressure comes. Um, so again, I don't know what to make of the Raiders. So I don't know what the Chiefs are going to do. I don't think the Chiefs know what to make of them either. I think that's part of the issue. They don't know how to defend them because they don't know what kind of offensive output they're going to get coming back at them. 
Well, that that's where you could see them being a little bit reactionary and fact finding early in the game too, which can at times negate a fast start. Yeah, game. and you are just trying to figure some things out early. And it's also a little bit tough when you're looking at the Raiders injury report at this point that we are recording this. Josh Jacobs did not practice with a quad injury. He was, uh, you know, Antonio Pierce said before the Chargers game, it's like uh, he probably could have gone, but it was a short week. Wanted to give him a little bit more rest. Now he's got an extra day of rest, and now we're staring at, or extra days of rest, and now we're staring at Josh Jacobs still being a DNP as well as Michael Mayer, their, their first-round tight end, who looked pretty good against the Chiefs. He also was a DNP. Dylan Parham, Colton Miller, you know, Parham's an illness, so it's expected that he's going to be back. Colton Miller limited in practice. We don't really know exactly what this offense is going to look like. That is a lot of heavy hitters and a lot of very important pieces of it that will limit some of what they can do. So pay close attention to the injury report as it formulates. For the rest of the <laughs> Antonio Pierce was pretty confident that Josh Jacobs was going to play this week. I think mm-hmm. as of yesterday, he said that yeah. he still like said that he was going to. And same with Colton and Miller. Col- and yeah, yeah. So it, it does seem like at least in their mind, they are saying they're both going to play regardless of what the practice report says. But it is worth watching as you get into Friday and stuff like that to see what happens with Josh Jacobs specifically. All right, let's move on to the offensive side of the ball. And I think you said we have a super chat coming in from the yeah. offense. Butch Davis, thank you for the Super Chat. We appreciate you. Moral of the story from that Raiders game is don't let Malcolm Coots turn into 2017 Khalil Mack. <laughs> hey, shout out. Shout out Lance Leipold developed Malcolm Coots, by the way. Well, it's a good thing that Donovan Smith isn't playing left tackle again because that's where Malcolm Coots looked like Khalil Mack the last time these two teams played. And that is part of the reason that I wanted to have that conversation off the top was because we saw Donovan Smith play against this Raiders team. We saw Donovan Smith play against Malcolm Koops. Oh boy, yeah, it was not pretty. Now, do I know for sure if Donovan Smith was a little banged up? Was his neck a little stiff? Had he already been injured? Was he playing through it at that point in time? I don't know, but it was one of his lower performing games of the year, and it wasn't against Max Crosby. It was against Malcolm Koops the vast majority of the time. So I just, it, that's an interesting comment here to kick it off with. A, a good challenge for Wanya Morris. Maybe a direct hey, we have now seen Donovan Smith, and now we're going to see Wanya Morris versus the same level of competition just a couple weeks apart. Maybe we'll really get to see like if they're separated in terms of their play or not, or if they're even, and then we got to weight it towards the veteran or the young guy. So we'll have to see here at this point in time. I This is bad. I, I know Tucker's going to clip this. It's going to be on social media for you, <laughs> you guys, so this is perfect. No, I, I, that's, that's really where my focus lies, especially since Max Crosby is going to play. I'm telling you, he's still yeah. in play. Oh, yeah. That knee is disgusting right now. He's talking about septic. it. I know. It, it, it was listen, septic, Craig. It, These people are insane. Is, These people that play this beautiful sport we love are psychos. Max Crosby is an especially is psychotic psycho, though, because he's this guy. Like, we talk about it all the time with him. It, it is insane the number of snaps that he plays and has played in his career. He does not come off the field we talk about you know guys and you know the eagles approach even the chiefs approach it's like make some wholesale swaps you know get get guys in there just let them play three or four snaps whole new lineup in there defensive line max crosby's like nah screw that i want to play as close to 100 percent of the snaps as possible and it's now to the point 
where he's not practicing during the week. He's doing limited on the walkthrough. Didn't practice during the week against the Chiefs. Played limited, you know, before the Minnesota Vikings game. Goes out there, has two sacks. Has a, you know, this man is going to play, and I I am very curious to see if the effectivity continues because he's out there. He's still giving it his all. He's still a top five ish pass rusher in the NFL even with a septic knee out there. So I, I, you know, he was limited to just 48 snaps. The last time that they played the chiefs, he ended up with sack looked pretty good a, a lot of the time, but was very clearly hurting and limited in what he could do. It got worse. Like, I think that knee looked even worse this past week. So I, I'm very curious to see how much he practices. I'm very curious to see how much he plays. If it's up to him, he's probably not going to practice all week and he wants to play 100% of the snaps. So he he is kind of a tilting point here because, again, like we said the first time, he's a true game breaker in the NFL. And if he's 100%, you're very worried about what he could do to this offensive line. Even him at 70%, though, against a Wanya Morris, against a Jawan Taylor, is still something that, man, I'm just not sure if the Chiefs tackles are ready for that yet. I uh, out here ghost hitting a cigar, so like he can do whatever he wants with that knee. That knee is that knee might be ready to blow up, but he gets up there on on TV on the little broadcast post game, and he's out here ghost inhaling a cigar. Like I, he he's okay, he's fine. But I don't know that that guy's that guy's crazy in the best way possible. Best way possible, wild man. I w- I want to talk something about the tackle position real quick because like, I know we spent a lot of time talking about Donovan Smith versus Wani Morris at the top. And I, part of me, I don't think they're going to rush Donovan Smith back this week, right? Like, I, like he was a limited participant today. I don't feel like they would go out of their way to rush him back because, like, Wani Morris has played at a capable level. I think for all the reasons you guys talked about, it wouldn't be bad to see how he lines up against Malcolm Coons and maybe that helps them formulate their decisions. But I don't know if there's really any reason to rush him back. Um, so I don't know. Like I, 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 I'd, I'd like to see Wanya at least this week, but I mean, who knows? I just I, I don't know if there's any merit to really, you know, to really rushing Donovan Smith back into the mix. So I don't know. It's something I'm definitely paying attention to. One other just kind of quick comment about, you know, limited participants, full participants. The Chiefs' offense right now, they have. I mean, and I know we have some full participants in practice here, several, but. Kadarius Tony, Trey Smith, Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco, Wanya Morris, Travis Kelsey, Donovan Smith, Jared McKinnon all wind up on the practice report. Uh, they got they got plenty of guys that are ailing there that, that are nursing something. Uh, Jared McKinnon was a was a did not participate. He was a full part. He was a he practiced I believe all of last week with the groin injury. Not practicing this week with the groin injury. Obviously something that they're monitoring. They're taking care of. And if you want to know why Jared McKinnon hasn't been playing as much throughout the course of the season. This is why. This is why. This is exactly why. Trying to keep them as fresh as they possibly can for the start of this season. But yeah, they've got a lot of guys on injury report, uh, even though they're full participants. Not something you really want to see or or, or, or really excited about. But yeah, I man, uh, I don't know. I, I think you, I think you should try. I think they should at least rest Donovan Smith for this week uh, and, and let Wanya get that run. Yeah, I mean, I... I think we all want that. It's just a matter of uh, why rush him back help? if he's a limited participant on a on a Thursday. Why rush him? Uh, back? No, I I don't disagree. I don't yeah. disagree. Yeah, 
I don't think this is the week where you would see Donovan Smith come back, especially because we're middle of the week and he has only been limited at this point in time. I think the question about Donovan Smith coming back is more for so when he is fully 100% healthy, what is the decision going to be? And if you're the Chiefs, you can just keep pushing it back until Morris has a bad game and then you could just make the play. So I'm saying you just hold, yeah. out, hold out with Morris until he kind of shows you something that actually is concerning, not because you think Donovan Smith might be slightly better or the same. I, this kind of takes us back to again, how we kind of let off the show. It's so like, hopefully it's Wanya Morris. I don't think a limited participant, Donovan Smith, kind of gets that nod over him. Um, so that's we, we got another super chat. We got another one coming in here from yeah. Derek Hernandez. What is something that you guys would like to see out of the offense that would give you stronger Super Bowl hopes for this team this year, Kent? It's pretty simple. It's just catching the football. I mean, like, honestly. I mean, I think I think I I know that sounds crazy. There's not a wrinkle that I think that is gonna like compl- like if they just execute, they protect the football. And I think ball security was something that came up for this team as a point of emphasis, you know, right before Christmas. Um, but I think ball security is becoming something that they're just getting sick and tired of. And it's catching the football, it's it's protecting the football and not putting the ball on the ground. I honestly think if those two things are solved, this team is the best record in football. Like, I mean, they've probably lost three games, at least on, I mean, we, we don't have to belabor it, but like <laughs> the, I, th- eliminating those things at a much higher clip, I mean, this team is in phenomenal shape. We're talking about, you know, who's playing quarterback for the Chiefs against the Chargers <laughs> in week 18. And if, you know, they can bring back Colin Saunders to play middle linebacker and all like all this stuff. So, yes, I mean, I know yes, I, I do. It's not a schematic tweak for me as as much as it is. I do think that this coaching staff has done some good things, and it's just going to come down to better execution. And maybe it's taking some players that can execute better and protect the football better and catch the football better and putting them on the field more like we kind of talked about off the top. I, 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 too, was going to say something to the effect of stop making mistakes. I wrote last week that the Chiefs shoot themselves in the foot so much that they buy bullets in bulk now. So That's it's a banger of a line. Know, it's thank you. Um, but uh, I will go consistency on the offensive line. Like we routinely see individuals maybe play their worst game of the year and they're just kind of rotating through on the offensive line. We haven't seen this offensive line really maybe, maybe once or twice this year that you looked at the line and you went, oh, wow, that was a good game. Like everybody had a pretty good game or even an above average game. Like they, it, everything was fine in that game. Usually we can look at the offensive line and say, oh man, like last week, man, Trey Smith had a really rough game. You know, Jawan Taylor's had some rough games. Donovan Smith has had some rough games. Even Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey, who are the guys that you're looking at and you're like, man, those are kind of the pinnacle of the guard and the center position in the NFL this year, have had a couple stinkers. Like you just look at that. Like I, I just want to see some consistency there. You know, get everybody to play average or what their version of average is, which for some guys is, you know, tops of the league. Some guys, it's just, hey, you're number 16 offensive tackle in the league. That's fine. Uh, you just need some more consistency there for me to feel good about what they can do because they just can't overcome the mistakes when they have those drops, when they have those penalties. They got to be able to have Patrick Mahomes drop back and make some magic. And if he doesn't have any time to do so, you know, time and time again, as we've seen this season, uh, they just can't dig themselves out of that hole. I, I agree with both of you guys. I, I think 
for me, I'm taking the questions like what to see this week versus the Raiders because I don't think one game of no drops or one game of consistent no. O-line play makes me feel better. It's got to be a big stretch mm-hmm. before I change nice my look. Sure, <laughs> it absolutely would be. And it's but really, hey, it would correlate to them probably winning the game very easily. So it would be very nice. But if you want me to come out of this game on Monday and be like, this team has a lot better chance to win the Super Bowl based on one game, it's going to be Richie James having a huge game. Probably. Because I've seen MVS, I've seen Justin Watson. I've even seen a little bit of Justin Ross, enough to say that I know, I'm comfortable with what I think of him right now. If Richie James comes into this game and now gets these Sky Moore reps and gets some of Kadarius Tony's reps, whether he can play some or not at all, and he has a big game and proves that he can be not even a reliable, but just a dangerous third receiving option, fourth receiving option for this team, I feel a lot better knowing that they have another guy in the holster. They have another person they can turn to because right now it's Rasheed Rice and then Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey hasn't been Travis Kelsey for a little while now. And then it's throwing to running backs. That's the offense. That's the reliability of this offense. If Richie James can flash the ability to just get in that mix, I start to feel a little bit better that they have another guy they can go to. They have somebody else that Mahomes can rely on. It's like, that is a person, a specific thing that I'm watching for this week is just show me something else to believe in and the consistency from this game. And one game doesn't mean that he'll do it all year long, but we've seen a lot of guys come into this offense and fail so far this year being that next reliable piece to be that second wide receiver. Let's see if Richie James gives it, gets an opportunity and makes the most of it. All right, it's players to watch time presented by Tickets for Less. Promo code KCSN gets you the best discount available on ticketsforless.com. So make sure you're using that to take advantage of Chiefs ticket opportunities. KCSN, promo code KCSN at ticketsforless.com. Maddie Lane, player to watch, go. Why? Why are you coming to me first? I don't understand these maneuvers. I already spoiled my Richie James one. Can we just like smooth that segment? Tucker, can you just lift that segment and put it here? Um, I'm gonna. No, go- but he's gonna lift the one where you did the weird stuff with let's his hands. Go. Like that wasn't me that made it weird. That was you. Uh, let's go with Rasheed Rice because I did it last week. Kind of paid off. Doing it again this week because Jack Jones got up there on his little podium for the Raiders cornerback and said, "Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is good. He's magic, all that. But if we shut down the magic." Their wide receivers stink. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But that's more or less what Jack Jones got up there and said. He did not have any respect for the Chiefs wide receivers. I would really like to see Jack Jones have to try to tackle Rasheed Rice in the open field right now because I don't think that would go well for his 170-pound self. So, yeah, give me another big Rasheed Rice game. And because I kind of have been alluding to it, he's the most reliable part of their offense right now. For better or worse, he is the part that, you know, week in, week out has been doing stuff. And whether they make it easy on him or they're expanding his role, He's been that guy. So, yeah, Rasheed Rice for me this week. My guy's Clyde Edwards and Claire. The Las Vegas Raiders, I about called them the Los Angeles Raiders again. The Las Vegas Raiders give up the fifth most yards to running backs on the ground and top 10 through the air. That is something that the Chiefs are definitely keeping an eye on. Something that I think if Jarek McKinnon was very healthy that we would see maybe a big jerk chicken game, but he doesn't look like he's going to be out there this week. So with that in mind, Clyde Edwards Alaire is the guy that's going to benefit from a lot of those. He looks good right now and gives them a true run pass option with him in the backfield with Isaiah Pacheco out there, you know, recovering from what appears to be a bone spur and a little bit of a surgery. Yeah. He was a full practice today. 
I don't know that they're going to put the full you know workload on Isaiah Pacheco because that man doesn't know how not to go 150% on every single play. So I think we're going to see a lot of Clyde Edwards Alaire and you know he's looked good lately. So through the air on the ground, I think there are plenty of opportunities for him to get out there, especially if Divine Diablo does not play their middle linebacker there. I think that they got a chance to really find some really good matchups for Clyde. I know we've belabored it, but it's still going to be whatever player lines up at left tackle for this team because I think it is one of the biggest questions heading into the postseason. And I know there's a lot of struggles on this team, and we've you know talked, we've belabored the point on the receivers. So let's focus a little bit of attention on you know the blind side of the best player in the world again and again and again. I'm going to keep hammering it because it is a crucial factor in you know how this team is going to respond in the playoffs and you know. I would like to see it be Wanya Morris this week. I'm going to be paying close attention regardless of who it is because it should be put under a microscope because it is becoming one of, if not the biggest decisions that this offense is going to have to make heading into the postseason. All right. Prediction time for this game. Craig. All right. right. Better. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I think I've already kind of, Talked about what I think the Chiefs defense is going to do to this Raiders offense. I think they're going to keep him down. I, you know, obviously, if Josh Jacobs plays, which it looks like he's playing, Devontae Adams out there, there are chances for explosive plays. I'm not trying to say that there's not, but I think that C. Spagnuolo is going to heat up Aiden O'Connell. I think it's going to be tough sledding for him for most of the day. Offense is capable of putting up points, but I think that Spagnolo is just going to kind of adopt the approach that's going to limit it a little bit. And then on the offensive side of the ball, the Chiefs are just better, and they've got better matchups, and they're uh, they're able to take advantage of things a lot better. Travis Kelsey has been quiet for a while now, but the last time I think we remember it being a little bit loud was against the the Raiders. And, you know, they did not do a particularly good job of doubling him, of taking him away. He wants another big game. He wants another hat and shirt to add to the entire trophy case that he's accumulated over the years there. I think this ends up being a big win for the Chiefs just because Spagnuolo is going to dial things up in a way that just prevents the Raiders from really putting points on the board. So I got the Chiefs winning this one 24-10. Matt. Oh, I was ready. I was just waiting to be queued up. Um, I think the Chiefs... <laughs> I didn't know it was my turn or not. It's... Don't sense with me. Um, I think the Chiefs start hot. Uh, they've had a little a couple slow starts lately. They've been talking about it. That's something that they're trying to focus on. We saw the offense, despite some turnovers, uh, has come out looking a little bit better to start these last couple games. They've been trying to do a little bit more, and the defense has been who started a little bit slower. I think they're gonna they're trying to get that worked on. They know that's been a little bit of an issue. Having this Raiders team, a team they just played a couple weeks ago, I think they'll have a good game plan. Be ready for what the Raiders are going to try to do, which isn't that complicated um, going forward. So I think both sides of the ball start out hot. The Chiefs kind of put this game away relatively quickly and just kind of coast. You get, I think we are going to get a very generic Andy Reid-led Chiefs football game where they take a lead sometime early in the first half or midway through the first half, and they just kind of sit on it and coast it out. Maybe it looks a little closer by the end of it because of how they play it out, but they're in control the whole time. I'm going to say the Chiefs win this one 30-20, but it never really feels like it's a just a low two-score game. Yeah, I think they're going to start out hot. They're going to 
quote unquote flex the season or the ceiling like we've talked about in the past. They're going to do some really really good things on offense. We're going to feel some level of optimism even though it's the Raiders. Um, I do think that the I do think the Raiders will get back into it late because I think the Chiefs will get in there a little bit more vanilla and they're just going to kind of go into coast mode because they can't because they you know they've got some good work in to start the half. You know, or in the first half, and then they're kind of kind of move on. So give me 31-17. It's not that close. The Chiefs are up big. It's probably 31 to 7, maybe even, you know, or th- you know, they might be l- some late scores happening in that game, but I think the Chiefs uh are gonna win this game comfortably. That is gonna do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening, for watching, for supporting KC Sports Network. Thanks to everyone that came out to Mission Taco last night. Thanks to everyone that's just been supporting us through all these years. We are so grateful for you. We appreciate you. Have a Merry Christmas, and we will talk to you after a Chiefs win.